If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to join me in Exodus chapter 20. Way back into the law. I believe this is incredibly relevant scripture and it is a boundary kind of mandate that is communicated here. Because we can have no doubt that the family, as God designed and devised it to operate, is under attack. When we go all the way back to the Genesis account, we understand that God ordained and blessed the home. The marriage, in our understanding, of Adam and Eve. You understand that marriage is God's idea and family is God's plan. And all of God's truth is under assault in the world in which we live because we know that the devil is the prince in the power of this air. And so this cosmos, world system, fights against, detracts from the truth of God's word and it necessitates us to return to the Bible to establish again what God expects, and what God has said. And here in Exodus chapter 20, we find ourselves listening to what we would term the Ten Commandments from God. The nation of Israel has left bondage by God's miraculous hand, and now God is setting them apart unto himself. He is, as it were, introducing himself to the children of Israel, and one of the ways that he introduces himself is as a God of order. And these are ten mandates that communicate the order that he expects and that which glorifies him. In the 60s, which was a long time ago, the family was under attack. This is not something new One commentator on the era of the 60s said this, we might not have been able to tear down the state, but the family was closer. We could get our hands on it, and we believed that the family was the foundation of the state as well as the collective state of mind. We truly believed that the family had to be torn apart to free love. The first step was to tear ourselves free from our parents. And what is being communicated there in effect is simply this, the way to destroy a nation is to destroy the family. And one of the chief ways to destroy the family is by disobedience to parents. When I begin a message like this, I know what goes through our mind. This should be shifted from the auditorium and go down to children's church. But the reality is all of us are going to learn that this mandate that God communicates is for us. You say, I don't have children or I do have children and the ones that I have are certainly disobedient, then this is for you. If you are a child, this is for you. If you have a mother and a father, this is for you. How many of you have a mother and a father? All right. You're in. You have to commit to listen the rest of the way. G. Campbell Morgan, he wrote this. This intrigued me. He said, never in any day has there been such a blight of children disobeying parents than today. It is a sign, he wrote, of Christ's soon return. He wrote that in 1901. (laughs) When every parent was perfect... And every child obeyed all the time. 
I don't think we fully comprehend that God alone determines what is good and what is bad. God determines what is right and what is wrong. And when we listen to the scripture, in fact, as the Apostle Paul is telling us in Romans chapter 1 about a society, the world in which we live, that has degraded where God has turned them over, listen to this list of vile activity. Romans 1.30. They are backbiters. Haters of God, that's really strong. Despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Whenever you read that list and you think of Romans chapter 1 and the degradation of society to a point that God has turned them over, we don't often list disobedient to parents, but that's right there within the Scripture. In fact, as the Apostle Paul is writing his letter to the believers at Ephesus, this is a passage of Scripture that every Christian parent has weaponized against their child. In Ephesians chapter 6, we read this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Now, when the Apostle Paul speaks of children in that verse, he's not talking about littles, infants, and toddlers. The word that he uses indicates offspring. I and you will always be the offspring of our parents. Now, I set that little parameter to drive us back to the specific command that is communicated in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12. And I'll read there. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now between Exodus 20 and verse 12 and Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1, where the Apostle Paul reinstates this command, something is missing. And what is missing in Ephesians 6 as compared to Exodus 20 is the children. Which means this is a general principle. Now you have to remember as a student of the Bible, the Ten Commandments is divided into two segments, two sections. The first four teach us how we are to behave in relation to God. And the last six teach us, in effect as Jesus will sum it up in the New Testament, how to love our neighbor. And how to love our neighbor begins in the heart of God, in the home. We cannot brush past the primacy of this mandate. As God begins to teach how to have horizontal relationships in a God-honoring way, he starts with children and with parents. This is not something that is outmoded. This is not an antiquated idea. This has very real effect on the world in which we live. It is vital to the survival of our nation. It is vital to the cause of Jesus Christ and the fulfillment of the Great Commission and operating as we should that this loving our neighbor starts at home. Augustine, smart commentator, father of the church, old, old writer, he said this, If anyone fails to honor his parents, is there anyone he will spare? Presumably not. If we don't respect authority at home, odds are that we will not respect authority 
anywhere. That is what this is communicating. So what is it that we are supposed to do? Moses communicates to the people what God had told him, and he says, honor thy father and thy mother. What we have to do is honor. Honor is a Hebrew word there. It's got the root meaning of weight, and it communicates heaviness. How many of you are too honorable right now? Little too much honor. Weight or heaviness. It developed into the idea of importance. So you hold a person in honor if they are important to you. They say things that you give weight to. You are aware that there is heaviness to their input and advice. Therefore, to honor one's parents is to give due weight to their position. Recognition that they deserve it because it is a God-given authority ascribed to them. To esteem them, to respect them, to value them, to prize fathers and mothers. Perhaps we could expand on that just a little further by saying this. We grasp that the opposite of honor is simply to dishonor. It is not a light thing as the Bible communicates it. In fact, as I referenced in Romans 1, Paul says, this is what happens in a society that is degraded. People are disobedient to parents. When the Apostle Paul was writing to Timothy, he was describing the perilous nature of the last days. And here's what he writes to him. This know also, young Timothy, that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. This is literally a sign of the perilous times. The Bible does not treat this lightly in any way, shape, or form. It is woven throughout the fabric of Scripture from front to back. But before we let ourselves off the hook and think that at our advanced age, we are no longer under the impetus to obey our parents, Jesus Christ directly addressed the Pharisees, full-grown individuals, and he addressed them concerning their failure to uphold this command. And I love when Jesus speaks to the Pharisees and rebukes them. It's always in a scathing way, and it's fun because he's not rebuking us, or is he? In Mark chapter 7, he pulls no punches with the Pharisees when he says to them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied. Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet, prophesied this of you, and he was right when he said, You hypocrites, as it is written, this people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Now we know that Jesus is delivering a scathing rebuke. He has just in Mark chapter 7 looked at the Pharisees and he has called them hypocrites. He has just brought an expositional message from Isaiah in the Old Testament and said, you are praising me with your lips, but your heart, it is far from me. What is it that Jesus is addressing with the Pharisees? Why is it that he calls them hypocrites? Why is it that he is saying your fake spirituality is is visible right now? He says this to them in verse 9. He said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God that ye may keep your own tradition. Here's where you're hypocrites. You have maintained a tradition. You have rejected the commandment of God. 
In effect, you have lived according to the letter of the law. You have negated the spirit of the law. Now, I am interested, Jesus, where is it that these Pharisees have been so hypocritical? Where has their fakeness shown through? Now, you have to stick with me because when I read this passage of Scripture, you are going to want to check out, I know. You're going to think to yourself, there is no way this is applicable. I cannot comprehend what it is that's going on here. Stick with me. Jesus says this in effect. You Pharisees, here's where I see that you are hypocrites. He says in Mark 7.10, For Moses said, now Jesus is going to bring the Old Testament into the New. He is preaching to the Pharisees by using Exodus 20 and verse 12. Honor thy father and thy mother. And whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. Now that's strong preaching. But ye say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is Corban, that is to say a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition which ye have delivered, and many such like things do ye. See what I mean? You get through those verses and you're like, what in the world? Was there a guy named Corbin? No. Jesus is addressing the Pharisees. Now here's what I'm trying to establish for you. We're wrestling through this study in Scripture. This has to be for children. Honor thy father and thy mother. It's the first commandment with promise that thy days may be long in the land in which you dwell. But as Jesus uses Exodus 20 and verse 12, he is not surrounded by children. They're not seated on his lap. He's looking at the religious elite. He's looking at full-grown Pharisees and he is saying to them, I see your hypocrisy. I see that you have invented systems to get around the spirit of the law which was communicated by creating your own traditions. How, Jesus, are we hypocrites? And Jesus says, full well you know that Moses said, honor thy father and thy mother. And if they do the opposite and curse their father and mother, they are worthy to die the death. How have we done this, Jesus? Corbin, that's how you've done it. What they did was they invented this system. And the Pharisees would go to their father and their mother. Now, mind you, there wasn't insurance. There weren't annuities and 401ks. There weren't savings. And it often, more often than not, fell to the children to care for their parents. And the Pharisees, who were materialistic individuals, self-righteous individuals, invented this system of Corbin. They looked at their mom and dad and said, okay, here's a problem we have. I have a little bit of extra money, but if I start to take care of my mom and dad, they will eat up my extra funds. And I'd like to have more funds for me and less for them. So here's what we'll do. We'll take anything that is left over and we'll call it Corbin. That is, this is dedicated to God. And then we'll go to our mother and father and we will say to them, Mom and Dad, we have an issue here. What's the issue? Well, we do have a little bit wherewith we could take care of you, but we've dedicated that to God. And we know you love God. And you wouldn't want to take what has been dedicated as a gift to God, would you? No, 
We wouldn't want to take what's been dedicated to God. Well, you can see we're in a pickle here. It's Corbin. And then that which was dedicated to God was never actually given over to God, but was used to amass more wealth for the religious elite, the Pharisees, the hypocrites of the day. And Jesus calls them out on it, and he uses the principle of honoring thy father and mother. And I'm telling you, this is not just for children. This is for you, and this is for me, and this is for people who had imperfect parents, which is all of us. Some much worse than others. And anyone that is parent now to a child is doing an imperfect job, I have no doubt. God does not take this nor esteem it lightly. Jesus just rebuked the Pharisees in a scathing way over this. In Deuteronomy 21, this is one you might want to go read in junior church or children's church, offer no instruction and just walk back out. Deuteronomy 21, it would be this. If a man have a stubborn and rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and that when they have chastened him, will not hearken unto them, then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him and bring him out unto the elders of his city and unto the gate of his place. And they shall say unto the elders of his city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. And all the men of his city shall stone him with stones that he die. So shalt thou put evil away from among you. And all Israel shall hear and fear. That would work. Now what stands out, and let's be good students of the Bible. If this child in this passage in Deuteronomy is old enough to already be a glutton and a drunkard. We're not talking about a little one, are we? We're talking about a rebellious, long-standing, has not hearkened to discipline. Now, I could talk about stoning the disobedient. Let me be very clear. We are not for that. We are no longer bound by the law of Israel, nor are we bound by the consequences according to that law. And thank God for it. I would not be here preaching to you today if you stone disobedient and rebellious children who are gluttons and drunkards. I've done it all. Gluttonous drunkenness. Disobedience and rebelliousness. But here's the principle I want you to grasp. Why was it in Deuteronomy 21 that they were instructed to carry out this exceeding high penalty? He ends by saying, if you will do this, you will remove evil from the land. Now, that's what I just want to emphasize for a second. One of the ways to, quote-unquote, restore order is to restore the obedience of children and the honoring of fathers and mothers. That's not my invention. That is according to God's Word. Obviously, God considers dishonoring one's parents to be one of the worst sins anyone can possibly commit. And by the way, mothers in that received as much honor as fathers did. And learning to respect authority is so important because that lays the groundwork for respecting God's authority. Now, I know if you're a student of the Bible like me and you're trying to pin other people down with use of the Bible like me, you'll say, now, pastor, how about you go past children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right, and jump down in that passage and say, and fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Well, that's in there too. 
And the reality is, as a father or a mother, the best thing to do is to live life in a way worth honoring. But Exodus 20, 12 is not there with that. That's for another message in another time. And I will shout down every bad parent on the face of the earth by use of scripture and we'll all have fun with it. Until we realize we're the bad parent and then it's not so much fun. I know that we wish every parent that existed was honorable. But we're not let off the hook of this general principle, honor thy father and mother. It does not say you must feel warmly affectionate towards them. Thank God. It does not say you have to love them in all sincerity and make sure that you always send the card on time for Mother's Day and in the card lie right through your teeth about the kind of home and mother and father and whatever. It does say honor. It does say esteem, reverence, give weight to, see as important, value in that regard for that honors God. In the New Testament, you cannot escape. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Paul is almost assuming there's going to be a debate, and so he says, because God said so. It's the right thing to do. There's no two ways around it. God determines what is right, and this is what he has said. Children should obey their parents. That's the right thing to do according to God. You and I should honor our father and our mother. That's the right thing to do according to God. God determines what's right. He determines what's honorable. He determines what's noble. The action is obedience. The attitude is honor. Honor father and mother. And then the apostle Paul says, it's the first commandment that has a promise attached to it. What is the promise? You have to go back to the command and read it again, honor thy father and thy mother, here's the promise, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Why should I honor my father and mother? It helps to equip people on a practical basis when you're teaching the scripture. Here's the what, honor thy father and mother, and here's the why, that thy days may be long upon And in the land which God giveth you, he swore to your fathers and gave to you. Why would I honor my father and mother? I've got some simple things. How about this? For the many sacrifices they make for you, honor your father and mother. Now, I grasp not every parent does that. But I would say the majority do. Honor them for the sacrifices they make on your behalf. How about this? Because of their wealth of life experience. Now, I know at 16 to the age of 22, you know everything already, but it may be that somebody who's 50 knows a little more than you do. Now, it may be they don't. I've met some, I've pastored some 50-year-olds who don't know a lot. But there's a wealth of life experience. Think, had Eli really worked more diligently with his sons and invested in them with his life experience with God. He could have salvaged a nation hardship. What about David? What if David, who had invaluable life experience, time where God sustained him in the caves, times out in the pastures where he wrote psalms that lift our minds up to heaven, 
What about the mistakes that he had made? What about the battle out in the valley? What if he had just taken Amnon aside and invested in him with his life experience? Or Absalom? Or Abishai? David wasn't a great dad. The wealth of life experience that was communicated that could have salvaged these men. I say we honor them because of that. What about this? Keeping the fifth commandment glorifies God. That's a good reason. How about this one? In the New Testament, we simply established it's the right thing to do. And then this, because God knows how we work and so do I. How about this? It serves your own best interest. If it's not enough to say, what about all the sacrifices they made on your behalf? What about the wealth of life experience? What about all of that? What if we just say it serves your own best interest to do? And how does it serve our own best interest? That thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. It's special encouragement to a child. It's special encouragement to somebody to realize if I do this, then God will do that. Now, I want to be very careful. We want to be disciplined students of the Bible. This promise has a special meaning for the Israelites. They have just come out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. They are going to the land that God promised to lead them to. And one way that they could ensure that they stayed long living in the promised land was to honor father and mothers in the faith, in the Lord. But the general promise here is applicable because in the New Testament we read it is the first commandment with promise. And the general principle should not be misconstrued that if you obey your parents, you're going to live to 90. And it does not simply mean that every child or every person who has met what we would call an untimely end has been because they are disobedient. We know, according to God's sovereign plan and for reasons of greater glory, God sometimes allows people to go home early. People who even almost always obeyed their parents. Many providences, if I could use that word, determine the length of a person's life. But the promise still stands. Children who honor their parents receive the gift of life. And the very expression to live long in the land carried with it a Hebrew understanding for the fullness of God's blessing. To have an abundant life. It is no doubt qualitative and quantitative. The quality of life is to live in the abundance of God's blessing and no doubt length of days is attached. It's the application of a natural law. This requires some study, doesn't it, to try to communicate. Because as I have already referenced, if a matter of singular disobedience would strike me down, I would not be here, you would not be here to listen. But let's apply a natural law. Let's reply, uh, apply a natural understanding to this. Let me go to some commentators and pastors to shine some light. One commentator said this, The obedient are saved from the vices and crimes which shorten life. No parent will command his child to be a drunkard. This is an old commentator, and I just want you to listen to what he preached against. No parent will command his child to be a drunkard, a gambler, a spendthrift, a pirate. 
I just, I wish I was alive when you could just preach against pirates. If your kid grows up to be a pirate, you've done a bad job. I mean, come on. Stop raising pirates and murderers and spendthrifts. I should have taken the time to even understand what a spendthrift is. I don't know, but it's bad. Don't, don't raise your kid to be a pirate or a spendthrift. He said, these vices and crimes result in most cases from disobedience to parents. All shortened they who early commit them are certain of an early grave. No child who disobeys a parent can have any security that he will not fall victim to such vices and crimes. It's a natural law, is it not? If you say to your child, don't play in the road, isn't it a naturally applied law that we're trying to lengthen their days? Don't go near the fire if you are obedient. Now, I was raised to be a pirate, and by God's grace, I became a pastor. A lot of similarities between the two. No one's raising their kid to shorten their days. Generally apply this. Another pastor said, an obedient child, a child that honors parents, will be a child that enjoys a rich, full quality of life. That's the promise of God. He said, you may live long on the earth. What does that mean? For us, it simply means that your life won't be cut short by some divine discipline. Yet again, Spurgeon, who's one of my favorite, he said this, nothing shortens life like rebellion against parents. Absalom is a prominent instance of this general rule. Moreover, this sin is a dreadful sign of a graceless nature. He who does not love and honor his father and mother whom he hath seen certainly does not love the Lord whom he hath not seen. This brings me full circle to say to you, I'm not saying that we have to honor our father and mother in order to attain salvation, but because we have received salvation, we practically show out our grace state by honoring our father and mother, which indicates at times it requires the Holy Spirit to help us do that very thing. And may I say this to you, someday it will be you who is in the space of needing to be honored. Every time that I do a hospital visit, I will say to the Lord, thank you that I am not here for me or for one of mine. But I am aware, and I'm not trying to be macabre, that the day, if I live long enough, will will probably come where someone will be coming to the hospital to visit me. Let me say from the onset, I don't want to visit Don't send pastoral staff to see me. They work for me. I don't want them to see me in that way. I don't want them to come. But I do know this. I moved here and I was 27 years old. And in rapid order, I became 46. And if I do that again, I'm going to be 65. And if I do that again, I'm going to be 84. Which means someday it will be me. And so the principles according to God's divine design and order, which is marriage is God's plan or idea and family is God's plan. And in order to structure society in a God-honoring way, children should obey their parents and they should honor their father and mother all the way to the finish line. We should instill these principles so that evil can go out of the land and we can grasp the blessing of God and someday it will be you. There is an inherent expectation that we'll be parents worthy of honoring. 
Let me finish by reading a Grimm's fairy tale, which means already you know it's not going to be great. A Grimm's fairy tale. There's a story about an old man who lived with his son and daughter-in-law because he had nowhere else to go. The old man's hands trembled. When he ate, he clattered the silverware and often he missed his mouth with the spoon and dribbled some of his food on the tablecloth. The daughter-in-law hated having him there because he interfered with her right to happiness. So she and her husband took the old man gently but firmly and led him to a corner of the kitchen. There, they set him on a stool and gave him his food in an earthenware bowl. From then on, he always ate in the corner, blinking at the table with wistful eyes. One day, his hands trembled more than usual and he dropped the bowl, which broke. If you are a pig, said the daughter-in-law, you must eat out of a trough. So they made him a little wooden trough and he got his meals in that. This couple had a four-year-old son they were quite fond of. One night, the father noticed the boy playing intently with some bits of wood and he asked what he was doing. I'm making a trough, he said, smiling for approval, to feed you and mama out of when I get big. Yeah, of course, the man and the wife look at each other for a while and don't say anything, cried a little, went to the corner and took the old man by the arm and led him back to the table, sat him in a comfortable chair and fed him his dinner on a plate. And from then on, nobody scolded him when he clattered or spilled or broke things because someday it will be you. Are you living a life worth honoring? Are you honoring father and mother? And I mean, there is probably not a command that we would internally wrestle with like this one because of how we view our parents. But the grace of God enables us to honor even when we feel like we don't have the capacity to do it. If we dishonor our parents, we'll reap dishonor ourselves. And more than that, get this, we will undermine the foundations of society. God has put this in here for law and order. And again, I'm not saying we have to uphold these things in order to attain salvation. Thank God that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus. And when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he bore all the sins of all humanity of all time in his body. And he paid the debt for those sins, which ultimately is death. Separation from holy God. And he offers to us eternal life. And if we will confess our sins to him and place our faith in his finished work, we can receive salvation and be indwelt by the Holy Spirit and then live out a gracious life which enables us to honor father and mother. I think we'd like every kid to engage in this study so that they can understand it. But I say one last time, Jesus used this command to address the hypocrisy of the religious elite, full-grown adults who were missing the nature and the spirit of the law behind. Would you please bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment? Thanks for listening this week to the Graceway Baptist Church podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, head on over to our website at gracewaycharlotte.org. We are a church located in South Charlotte. We are growing, and our ministries are doing big things for Christ. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at info at gracewaycharlotte.org. Also, stay in the loop with everything happening by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is Graceway Charlotte. 
Thanks again for listening to the Graceway Charlotte podcast. We'll see you next week.